The Swain Event Podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways, and TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. 865-255-03. Hour number two was brought to you by Action 247. Tennessee's only legal sports book. Use the promo code Swain Event for a 100% deposit match up to $800. That is right, $800. 100% first deposit match. Let's go to the phones. Irish Network's hotline. Let's bring in Turkey Man. Good morning, Turkey Man. Good morning, guys. How we doing? What's up? What's up? Great. Hey, got, hey, I got a question for you guys. Uh, 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 I was thinking about this. You talking about overtime? You know, uh, in college, uh, we we as fans hope that our team wins the toss, and most of the time we like to see them deferred to the second half on kickoff. In in uh, in college and pros, how important is the coin toss? In the first start of the game of winning the game, and in uh, overtime in college, uh, you know you want to win the toss and go on defense and give them uh, the uh, uh, opponent the ball first. Then you know what you need to score uh, a field goal or a touchdown, stay in it. Uh, that being said, uh, how's the, how how's the percentage of winning? the game in overtime in, in college if you win the toss. And in pros, uh, same way, how important is winning the toss in overtime and how does that play out in the, win the winner of the game? NFL is, I mean, it's, 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 it's paramount that you win the coin toss because you can literally go in the game. In college, it's not as important because you know you have an equal opportunity. And in some cases, it's best to go on defense to put the pressure on uh, the opposing offense. If they don't score first, then you can just simply kick a field goal to win because of, of, of how the rules are constructed. So just based on the rules, um, it is more urgent to win a coin toss in the NFL uh, than it is in college. So the game, the, the my, my point being said there is you need to figure out a way that uh, – the luck of, of, of a coin flip be taken out of the winner of the game because that doesn't uh, have anything to do with the uh, game itself, in my opinion. So they didn't win the game. They didn't win the game on the coin toss. They won the game because Kansas City Chiefs went down 13 seconds and kicked the field goal to send it to overtime, and they couldn't, the defense couldn't stop the offense for an entire drive. That's the reason why they lost. Well... Just, I just wondered how that played out over the, over the years. I mean, hey, you guys talk about, you know, betting on this and betting on that. I figure there's some odds on that, but uh, how how you know how that played out? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know the percentages on, on I, that is a pro football focus or one of those research companies that uh, that's what they do. I I would love to know, like, all right, what's the percentages of a, a victory. What's the percentage of victory for teams that win the coin toss? 
since the rule has changed. Because it's only been a couple of years since the NFL adopted this new overtime rule. So, all right, give us the percentages. 68% of the time, teams who win the coin toss go down and win. Like, I would want to know that. I'm with you on that one, Steve. 865-255-03. CNBTNG says, I'm late to the show, fellas, but how am I supposed to lace my Jordans? I mean, it depends on what Jordans they are. If they're the classics, you can't tie them up tight, man. You can't do that. You can't tie them up. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta leave them on tied, but you have to tie them in a way to where they don't fall off your, your feet and your shoelaces are not being walked on. But you can't be tying your shoes all extra tight now. Now, if you got some team Jordans and you about to go hoop, now you gotta tie those up. But if you got the Jordan 11s, you got some classes like the ones. Uh, I don't know about tying them tight. I, 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 I can't do that. Let's see. ATL VFL says, uh, after quarterback, which position do you think commands the most NIL money, or will it depend on need? It depends on the talent of the player, and it also depends on the marketability of that player. But more than anything, it's the talent of that player. And another factor could be Need as well. If you're desperate and you're willing to pay a little bit more than what somebody else is willing to pay in the NIL, then you, you may overextend yourself a little bit or more, be more willing to do that because you need this player. You can't afford not, not to get this player. Um, but I think after quarterback, it's hard to tell like which position will command the, the most money. Now, if you come through and have a Jadavion Clowney, or you have a can't-miss prospect at offensive line or can't-miss prospect at tight end. I mean, I think I think in all of those situations, those players will get, will get paid big money. So I can't pick one, one position outside of quarterback. I just think it depends on how good that player is. Like if you eval that player and you're like, yeah, he, he's definitely a three-year guy. Definitely. I haven't seen a player like that in decades. So, like, if Eric Barry was coming out, that'd be, I mean, he would be the most valuable player in that class outside of the quarterback, for sure. So, I just think, I think it depends on the talent of the player. ATF VFL says, what if he was a Bama fan growing up? Does he go to Auburn? <laughs> Guys. Trey Smith was an Alabama, growing up, Alabama fan growing up and went to Tennessee. Sometimes you got to make a business decision. Trey Smith had Bama, Tennessee, Ohio State as top three. Grew up liking Bama and picked, picked Tennessee. Now, I don't know this young man. I don't know if he's a Bama fan or if he's an Auburn fan growing up, but Auburn Boosters. They make stuff happen. They make stuff happen. And I'm speaking from experience. They make stuff happen. They can make it real tough for him to leave the state. Listen, he may 
you may get a better deal or a, a deal that's not as good as Auburn's and just say, hey, man, sometimes it's just not, not about the money. Sometimes all money's not good money. Sometimes it's not about the money. You can still get a big deal and leave the bigger deal on the table because you're going to be happier. You're going to make that up on the back end because you're going to be developed better or you're going to be happier somewhere. Like Sometimes it's not all about the money. Because if it was all about the money, there'd be more people that would say, you know what, man, I don't, I don't need, a, I don't need that job with benefits. Give me the job that has unlimited earning potential. If you want to go out and sell, you can make a million dollars a year. Why don't more people do it? Because of security. You say, hey, man, I'd rather have a less money, more security. Sometimes it's not all about the money. Sometimes it's not. But you can make, there's no cap on this job. There's no cap on the sales that you have. So people are like, no, nah, man, that's not, that's not for me. I'll take my cap salary and I'll be happier because I'll be more at peace. So I don't know. Vaughn Birmingham says Alabama is about to be done for top quarterback in California with Riley out there. Yeah, Lincoln Riley's going to make it tougher for everybody to go to California and, and get talent. And that's the way it should be. Tougher. Not saying it won't happen, but tougher. Other McKee says Brian Wood is a pipeline to Auburn. You said Brian Wood Christian? Really? Mm-hmm. Well, they, got some, they got some Bama ties, too. I remember the, the Castile brothers, man. They ran through there and went to Alabama. It's in Birmingham. Birmingham is 45 minutes away from Tuscaloosa. Also not very far from Auburn. No. It, it, it is. <laughs> if if Auburn and Alabama want a player from there or in any school in the middle of Alabama, they're probably going to get them. Most of the time. Yep. Most of the time. Uh, downtown Vols says, what do y'all think of the rest of Vols' schedule? How many losses do y'all see? Because I think I only see three more talking about uh, Tennessee basketball. As we look at the rest of the schedule this month, you got two really good games against good opponents. Uh, you play Florida Wednesday. You go on the road and play Texas on the 29th, Saturday. To start next month, you got AM at home, at South Carolina, at Mississippi State, home Vanderbilt, home against Kentucky, at Arkansas, at Missouri, home against Auburn, at Georgia, and then home against Arkansas uh, to finish out the regular season. And I wrote down, Ben, some um, some games I think could be toss-up games for Tennessee and a game that was, will be just def- uh, definitely difficult. But I think at Texas is going to be tough because this team plays different on the road. They just do. Um, the game at home against Florida, I think Florida's capable of beating Tennessee – but I can see Tennessee beating Florida too. Like they're capable of beating each other. When you look at these two teams on paper, man, they are they kind of resemble each other. When you look at the number of points they score versus number of points we score and allow. Uh, you look at the blocks per game. You look at rebounds per game. Like you, you, Florida and Tennessee, um, they 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 
they match up. Uh, they have a post presence in Colin Castleton. Uh, they can't shoot it from the outside like we can, uh, but they but they play good defense. They're tough. They're athletic. So we can beat we can beat Florida. We'll see what Tennessee team comes out there. Um, at South Carolina, confident to win there. At Mississippi State, playing at the hump is tough. I think that's going to be a tough game. So I wrote that one down. At Texas, at Mississippi State, home against Texas A and M. Texas A and M plays tenacious defense. Now offensively, yeah. You know, they, they kind of went stagnant there in the second half against 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 Kentucky. But AM is capable of beating Tennessee. But we're playing at home. At Arkansas, Arkansas is good and it's it's away. Um, and it gets rocking there. And then we play home against Auburn. So I got I got five games I wrote down, Ben, where I can see Tennessee. I can see Tennessee losing, man. I I I, I could. Um looking at the schedule, Ben, agree, disagree. What's your take on the text box? question and comment from downtown vol yeah i don't have a great answer for downtown vol i i agree with you missouri georgia and south carolina and and vanderbilt are are the only four that i'm i'm willing to definitively say tennessee is going to win yep uh they they could lose to florida could lose to texas could lose texas a&m could lose to Mississippi State and and could lose to Arkansas. Uh, now, with the way that the two teams are playing as of today, I would pick uh, Tennessee to beat Florida on on Wednesday. I, I think Tennessee will beat Florida. I think Tennessee will beat Texas on on Saturday. They they've struggled at times and I think are benefiting from playing in a. And in a Big 12 that isn't as strong this year as it has been in, in recent years. Uh, so I, I see Tennessee going 2-0 this week. The A&M game concerns me because of Coleman in the post for them. Um, I don't think that they beat Auburn. I don't think that they beat Kentucky. And I think they split the Arkansas games. I, I think uh, Bud Walton is a tough place to play. Very tough. Arkansas has kind of had Tennessee's number the last couple of years, so you you, you still play them twice. Uh, the only team left that you that you still play twice, uh, you play at Arkansas February nineteenth on a Saturday, and then the last game of the year on Saturday March fifth is in Knoxville. And and today I'll say that they that they split those games, but Tennessee's also capable. Of, of winning both those games. They're also capable of losing both those games. But I'll say that they, they split. So I see three definitive losses, really two definitive losses, Kentucky and Auburn. And then I just kind of think that they split the Arkansas series. And then the other ones outside of South Carolina, Georgia, and Vanderbilt, and Missouri capable of losing. So – Three, three to four losses, but I'm I'm sure they'll also drop one that <laughs> we're not expecting them to, as as well. So I I would be kind of surprised if if on March fifth after that last game against Arkansas, we look back in between January twenty fourth today and that day Tennessee only lost three games. I, I'll say that they lose like four or five. Yeah, we got twelve games remaining, and um, I'll say they go like eight and four. That's what I was going to say. I'm going yeah, I'm going eight and four. 
we're going eight and four in the remaining remaining twelve games. And that would take Tennessee's um, record to uh, twenty one. 21 and 9. 21 and 9. Heading into SEC play. That's that will be my prediction. Go hard ball says went to the game Saturday. First one in a few years. Why does our fans not get into games like Auburn and other crowds? I don't quite understand that message um don't necessarily agree i thought tennessee's crowd was was very into it on saturday and that it was very loud inside of thompson bowling arena when when tennessee jumped out to that 8-0 start thanks to the santiago three to get the game going and yeah kennedy hit a three as well will wade has to call timeout and 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 then it balloons to a seventeen to four lead. Like it, it was it was loud as all get out in inside of Thompson Bowling Arena, and it, it was loud throughout the night. Even after that, even even when LSU was coming back and, and making it a game right before halftime, I mean it, it was loud. Folks do not like Will Wade. I I I thought they were very into it, booing Will Wade and LSU all all night long and late in the game when Tennessee was making winning plays. I mean it, it was. Urosh was in the face of people and talking ish, and he had that clean block after the Olivier deflection. I mean, it. I thought the roof was going to blow off the place. Do you think Tennessee's basketball home crowd is is, is on par with Auburn's basketball home crowd? I think it's the same. One thousand percent. I I think Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas have the the, the best home court advantages in the SEC right now. Other McKee says Auburn's arena is half the size of TBA. It feels louder, um, but it's not louder. Yes, and, and I can attest to that. Now, if you want to compare Saturday's two games for the for the two schools, like I'm I'm sure Auburn Arena was was uh, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, I'm sure Auburn's arena this Saturday was louder because of yes. Kentucky. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, I mean they were they were building it up to be the greatest home basketball game in Auburn history. So I'm, I'm sure on Saturday it was the better in environment. And it is a great environment at Auburn for basketball games right now because of the job that Bruce has done. But when when I went down there the, the season before COVID, the, the Grant and Admiral there last year, and the year that they went to the Sweet 16, it, it was the I believe it was the final game of the season, the regular season. I mean, it was it was loud in there, a great environment, like I just said. But I mean, I I didn't think that. Oh, it, this is better than Thompson Bowling. They're they're both great environments, and and they're both really loud. The way the Auburn's uh, arena set up, man, you got students kind of right up on you, kind of like Duke's. You know, it's a smaller venue, and the students are um, right there at, at, at mid court. Looks to be like on both sides. Uh, Definitely, definitely on one side, across from the bench. Um, our our students just sit in a different place. Um, so it's, it's set up a little bit different. But I think in terms of, like, the impact on the game and the overall volume, it would be hard for me to believe that, that Auburn's is, like, head Clearly better. Yeah, like, I'm sure with Auburn's team being the way they are right now, um, 
I'm sure like this year, if you just take this year home games versus Tennessee home games, I'm pretty sure it was you know, a little bit louder. But to sit here and and and, and say that that is that Auburn's um, consistently is going to be louder and better. Oh man, man, Tennessee fans do a great job at, at basketball games. Now football, football, um, you know, obviously the results on the on the field has a lot to do with it, but I also think the position of, of students makes a big difference too. And, um, you know, a, a, a stadium or arena atmosphere, but Tennessee fans, man, show up, especially games like this, man. Yes. And, and their two biggest home games this year have been Arizona and LSU. I'm not forgetting anybody. Am I? I don't think that I am. Arizona and LSU, the two biggest home games of the year. And Arizona peed down its leg to start the game because of the environment. And on Saturday, LSU peed down its leg at the beginning of the game because yeah. of the environment. Now, I am jealous of Auburn. I do like the, the students, you know, along along the court. I like where they sit. I like I like that along and Dukes. I like where they're positioned. Yes, I, I do as well. But also like that that's also for them the benefit of having a, a smaller arena. If I mean Tennessee sells so many season tickets that I mean I don't I don't know how Tennessee would be able to pull that off. I, I do like that they're behind at least the basket a portion of it. But even in that corner when when that corner gets loud, especially when Will Wade comes to town and, and that team's walking out from halftime or, or going to the locker room for halftime or after the game. That that corner of Thompson Bowling gets rowdy. It it does. I've sat over there as a student when Rick Barnes has got this thing rolling, and it is very loud over there. It, it was loud over there Saturday as well because they do not like Will Wade. So Auburn has a great environment, and – I guess right now you could give them an advantage, but it's a slight one. Like, it's slight. Like Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, Auburn. Right now, those are the best environments for basketball in the SEC. And in Alabama, what had it going last year as, as well? In Coleman, Coleman's just weirdly configured, and, and they they've lost a little luster this year after the last couple of weeks. And Alabama being somewhat disappointing. Let's go to the phones. Dave Tona is on line one. Dave Tona, good morning. It's not Dave Tona. Oh, well. Hello, Don. <laughs> is it, oh, Don? Yeah. Oh, sorry about that, Don. I couldn't hear you when I was asking for your name. Yeah, I was having a hard time hearing on you. I didn't even know you was there for a minute. Um, <clears throat> you just talked going through the schedule and what we have left and what it might be and talking about the Florida game and that. Now, I didn't look it up, but I was reading on social media over the weekend. And we was talking about the players that <clears throat> their big man was out. Castleton? Yes, he's been out for a couple of games now. They, they, they played a night, which is something interesting to watch for, for Wednesday night. They're, they're having a COVID makeup tonight with Ole Miss in Oxford. So played on, on Saturday against Vanderbilt. And then Ole Miss tonight, and and then in Knoxville on on Wednesday. So something to keep an eye on. But Colin Castleton has not played the last couple of games due to injury. Okay, well that's why you know when you were just going over you know matchups and stuff, I'm thinking, well, I'm 
thought I read now he may not be out Wednesday, but they were just talking. Like I said, I just saw that on <clears throat> Facebook or something. No, it's probably on one of the message boards actually. Uh, the uh, I tell you, who would have ever believed? I know it's been talked about a lot. When the season started, the Tennessee we finally have an inside presence, and it'd be you, Rose. That's what happens when you continue to work. Yep. I just think he's gained a lot of confidence. I've seen hitting shots that he's taken before, but I think maybe not with the same confidence that he is now. But uh, I'll tell you, uh, him and, and of course, uh, little Ziggy, you know, <laughs> they bring some attitude. And, and uh, But right now, I agree for what I've read a lot of people. The MVP on the team right now has to be Santi. Most consistent player all season long. You know what you're going to get from him yep. every night. Yep, I 16 agree points. Yeah, 16 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds Saturday. Pretty good statue and a couple steals. He owns LSU. Oh, he does, doesn't he? I wouldn't even get one more three so bad to tie <laughs> his record from the first game he ever played. Yep, I uh, I counted up his career stats against LSU on Saturday after the game, and he's shooting 49% from three, practically 50% from three. And it's not like he's two of four either. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's like uh, 17 of 35. I'm trying to recall the numbers. He's, he's at in four games against LSU, he's averaging 16 points, uh, Five rebounds, four assists, uh, a steal, shooting 49% from three and 44% from the field. He's been awesome. Yeah, he sure has. You know, they, uh, you know, you take, go back to the Vanderbilt game, you know, Ziggy goes out there and goes 0 for 8 from the field. Maybe goes 11 for 12 at the free throw line, which is something we've not done. And I'm just glad we had enough distance Saturday. <laughs> I mean, free throws were a disaster up oh. until the last couple of minutes. I know. One of seven at one point. And how about Zakai Ziegler? He he had not been shooting the ball well of late. And he was one for his last 15 when he stepped up and knocked down that big three mm-hmm. to essentially mm-hmm. put LSU away. Yeah. And most most kids, especially somebody as young as him, they're one for 15. They're not taking that shot. He stepped into it with confidence. Else. Splash. Yep. He don't have any lack of confidence. I've never seen that. Nope. He's not scared. Uh, uh, that Vanderbilt game, that steal he made on that inbounds, just, you know, against the supposed player of the year in the SEC, you know, preseason. And his, uh, his comment about it, I loved it because he was asked, hey, what what you see that, that led to that steal? And he said – well, earlier I had seen them being lazy, so I figured that they were going to be lazy again. So I just jumped it. <laughs> he 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 he's something else. I don't know where uh, we'd be without him. To be honest with you, yeah, uh, we'd be a different team to come in. You know, I mean to come in and spell when they're not all three on the floor together, but to come in and spell one of the other two guards is uh, is uh, you know some. I just you know Kennedy you know last couple of games he's done a little better. Uh, that one drive there uh, in the last couple of minutes, that little underhand 
scoop or whatever you want to call it, you know, that he hit was really big. I, um, I think that this team could really go down, you know, uh, I mean, a week ago, we're, we're, we're having a different conversation, obviously, mm-hmm. but you know, you look at Kentucky that last Saturday and what they did, but they go down against, uh, Mississippi mistake. Oh, excuse me, Texas A&M. And they were right back to reality. Couldn't buy a bucket hardly at all until late in the game when uh, that one transfer hit a couple of threes to really kind of bail them out. But, uh, you know, if they had shot against us the way they normally do, as good as we shot that Saturday, mm, I don't know if we'd have won, but that had been a much, much, much tighter game. Uh, they That was just uh, – every once in a while, I guess some – a team, you know, has one of those days that no matter which player it is, they can't miss. That's right. Um, but anyhow, guys, I've got an appointment here. You're just talking about those sales and, and stuff like that. Well, i got to go see a client. Go get it. Go get it, Doug. Go get that, go get that money. Uh, I had a good question here on the text box. And uh, as you guys were talking, I was doing a little bit of uh, research. It was about – what would a 21 and nine finish? What kind of seed would that get Tennessee? Cause we were hypothetically talking about the finish. We had a good question earlier about, you know, where do we see Tennessee finishing with this season? Five and range. That, yeah. We, yeah, we predicted a eight and four finish, which would put Tennessee at 21 and nine. I looked at last year's teams in the sec. Tennessee was fourth. We finished fourth in the sec at, uh, 18 and 9, 10 and 7 in conference play. So three games above, above 500. And um, we were a, a fifth seed. And you look at where Tennessee is right now, um, Tennessee got some work to do as far as conference play. But right now, Tennessee is, is, is 13 and 5 and 4 and 3 in conference play. Uh, and Tennessee is sixth right now. Uh, but you you got to play Arkansas twice. You played Mississippi State. You played Texas A&M. These are teams that are ahead of uh, Tennessee right now. So that's going to shake out. But Tennessee has a chance to be a top four team in SEC play and get a bye, double bye, in the first round of the SEC tournament and put themselves in that, you know, that five range. Five range in tournament, depending on how we do it. In the SEC tournament, maybe maybe a four. Um, ben, you do a great job of kind of following Joe Lenardi's bracketology throughout the year. And last time we talked about it, Tennessee was at around a five. Yes, and I, I think if everything goes according to plan, then they could be as high as a four seed. If things just went great, they they could get up to, to a four seed. I, I think that's the highest they could get. Maybe they could get to a three seed, but if they're a three seed, then that's the the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th best team in the country. I don't see Tennessee getting that high, but I guess it's it's possible if, if shots truly do start falling and they just get hot and can't lose, then, then maybe they could get a three seed, but I think the ceiling is a four, and I think, I think the floor – is a six like if if they really struggle down the stretch I, I think a six seed would would probably be the floor i think five seed is the, the probably the most 
likely. And, and looks like if, if they do go eight and four, which is a good finish, expected finish, just kind of it's not bad, but not great either. Just I don't want to undermine going eight and four to finish out SEC play. That 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 would be tremendous. But I mean, it, it's it's not gonna boost Tennessee to a three or four seed. I no. don't I don't think. And She'll win tournament. The schedule is getting easier in terms of the conference schedule. Not saying that it's easy the rest of the way. It's certainly not. But it, it feels like Tennessee's conference schedule. The harder part of it was was at the beginning. And you go look at some of the defensive numbers, and Tennessee's been playing great defensive teams. And I think that's going to to somewhat loosen up down the stretch as now you get to play Missouri. You get to play Georgia. You get to play Vanderbilt a second time. You get to play South Carolina a second time. And, you know, Florida has been very inconsistent this year. Uh, A&M certainly – beatable but that is one of the, the the really good defensive teams left that that you mentioned earlier um arkansas been very inconsistent so since he has a chance to to go on a run here to to end the regular season and, and send them into the sec tournament because it it does feel like the the toughest part of the sec schedule has has already been played for for tennessee let's go to the phones 865-255-03 and then uh, we'll we'll take a a break and then get back on our junior day um, conversation. A lot of guys hit campus and um, positive momentum. It looks like from from junior day. So we have more to cover from junior day. But let's go back to the phones and then we'll take a bottom of the hour break. Who do we have? Dave Tona. Dave Tona. Good morning. Hey guys, a couple of quick things. Um, First of all, I'm glad the Lady Balls won. Mm-hmm. They, they, uh, they're a different team when that uh, key comes out of the game, though. Uh, Georgia start going low, and we couldn't do anything. She's a force. Secondly, secondly uh, just a quick question about Pro. Uh, I, I was looking at a mock draft, and it says the Steelers might might have a chance at Matt Corral. Mm-hmm. How do you think that he, he – uh, is, is he pro ready? He's definitely. I don't. I think he needs to put on some weight. And thirdly, uh, you know this this overtime thing. You know, I, I I don't think. I think the only fair way of doing it is each team gets a possession, or you stand out in the middle of the field and you you flip a coin five times. Whoever wins three gets. You know, they win. Save some damn time. Save some injuries. <laughs> that would uh. Well, if we're gonna do that, why don't we just play uh rock paper scissors? Well, because I don't know how to play rock paper scissors, and a few times I've done it, I've not. My grandkids have killed me. Fair so enough. I'm gonna jump off here. I know you're on a break, but uh, uh, you guys have a great day. You too, my friend. Maybe we can play uh tic tac toe at midfield. Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Tic tac toe. <laughs> Whoever wins gets to go to the AFC Championship game. Rap battle. I bet you Josh Allen would beat Patrick Mahomes in a rap battle. Well, I don't know. Maybe Jackson Mahomes has annoyed Patrick enough to to where Patrick has picked up on some things. I, I would love. I would love to see the rules, the overtime rules change. Um, my goodness, man! Everybody's giving 
Bill's damn defense and special teams decision to pass like it never happened. Like, it was, oh, poor, poor Buffalo. Poor Buffalo, man. It just, it just set up for them to lose. I, I ain't there. I'm not there. But, but it's I, not like the Chiefs' defense did anything for them to, to be bailed out in overtime by not having to take the field either. I mean, they, they allowed Josh... I mean, one poor Chiefs defensive back isn't going to be able to play next weekend because he has a broken ankle from what Gabriel Davis did to him on, what was that, a skinny post? Um, no. I, I couldn't really I tell what route that was. Yeah, it was, it was, I don't know what route it was, honestly. It like fake to the pylon, which is what broke the, broke the dude's ankle. Yeah, it just, I mean, he kind of just stemmed him outside and, and widened him up a little bit, and, um, I don't know exactly what, what, what route he ran. I have to look at the player over again. I could be able to tell you. They left him open all fourth quarter long, all game long, especially all, all fourth quarter long. It's not like the, the Chiefs defense did something great to where they deserve to be bailed out in overtime. You never know, man. Josh Allen threw a, a, a jump ball up to uh, Stephon Diggs, and, I mean, Tony Romo talked about the pass being dangerous. Could have been picked off. You just never know. Tip ball, at the line of scrimmage. I mean, sit here and, and assume that, uh, the defense wouldn't be able to stop the offense based on what happened in the fourth quarter. You just, I mean, you just never know. Because You're right. In the third quarter, it, it only one team kicked the field goal. You're right. After both teams scoring two touchdowns apiece in the first half. So, um, I'm okay with the rule change. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, man, the, the, the rules are fine just the way they are. But, man, when you don't take care of business and, 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 and the regulation, then, um, unfortunately, you don't get the ball first with a coin toss. You got to make a stop. And then you give yourself a chance to go down and win with a touchdown. Didn't happen for the Buffalo Bills. Hated for the fans. Hated for Josh Allen. He deserved to win. He was amazing. Hour three will continue after these messages. Stay with us. Hour three of the Swain event is brought to you by the Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Do you know your numbers? Feel like you again. Let us help. Is that as low as you can go? Okay, thank you. Hello, is that as low as you can go? Okay, thank you. What are you doing? Calling around to get the best rate on a car loan. Why? Everyone knows Alcoa 10 is the best choice to purchase a vehicle or refinance your current loan. And with low interest rates and 90 days to your first payment, it's a no-brainer. You can even apply online and sign all the documents from the convenience of your home. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Alcoa 10 Credit Union. It's so easy. Go to ATFCU.com for details. Rates are dependent on credit score and equal housing lender. When you start your own business, you know that branding can make or break a new venture. That's why Swain Event relies on 42nd Street. 42nd Street is a strategy agency focused on finding creative, open-minded, results-driven solutions to brand design. After over a decade of operations in East Tennessee, the brand architects at 42nd Street have the experience and creative know-how to ensure the success of your business branding, logo, web presence, and more. To see a real-life example of their amazing work, you can check out our website at SwainEvent.com. Don't trust the branding of your business to just anyone. Check out my friends at 42nd Street online at 42ST.com or give them a call at 865-382-7007. 42nd Street, brand, strategy, design. Fellas. When it's time to freshen up that wardrobe, there's only one play to make, and that's to go see my friends at Mark Nelson Denim in downtown Knoxville. Find the latest in small batch denim in the heart of Knoxville. 
Denim isn't all they do though. Mark Nelson also does custom suiting and blazers. Let your personal style shine with Mark Nelson. If you don't have time to go shopping for yourself, but still want that fresh look, then sign up for the MN Society. Let the experts handle the shopping and get $300 worth of merchandise for just $150 every other month. That's six times per year to keep you looking styling every day. Let Mark Nelson Denim help you be the best you, because when you look good, you feel good. Go to MarkNelsonDenim.com. Top 100 barbecue restaurant, Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup. Or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. Cheer on your favorite team with the best barbecue around. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Jason Swain, Swain Event Fuel by Dead End Barbecue, Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant in America. Hour number three here on the program. That is powered by Low T Center and LowTCenter.com, reinventing men's healthcare. It's time for around the SEC. What you got, Ben? We have some things that we definitely need to discuss before we get out of here because there were some interesting developments over the weekend. Mm. We'll, uh, we'll start in Georgia, where two different transfers announced their new destination, and the most notable was Jermaine Burton, the Georgia transfer receiver. He announced last night that after playing against Alabama in the national championship game, he is transferring to Alabama. Jermaine Burton... Georgia transfer receiver is headed to Alabama. He picks Alabama over Ole Miss, LSU, and AM. One of Georgia's top weapons this past season. What do you think that was, Ben? What what was? Him transferring. Uh seizing the opportunity opportunity. Look, I, I don't blame him. Bama what, losing. What opportunity? Uh playing time and playing for Bryce Young and at Alabama. It's just annoying. Like, Bama's losing their three best receivers. Mechie, NFL, Williams, Jamison Williams, NFL, and Slate Bolt going to the NFL. But he was their third best receiver. So, they're... they're... Wait, wait, what? Slate Bolton? Mm-hmm. Where's he going? NFL. He declared for the NFL. He was a senior, but he, I think he technically could have come back uh, for his COVID year. But he said he's going to move on and try the NFL so he had a, a big graphic that declared for the NFL. So Bryce Young is okay. technically losing his top three pass catchers at receiver. So, like, I get it. You step in, and right now you are the number one receiver. But I just hate that. Like, Georgia-Alabama has become a legitimate rivalry. Rivalry game. 
and I, I hate that he's going to Alabama. Not because Tennessee played Alabama, but this is part of the annoyance that I have for college football right now. Yeah, Alabama has gotten three players out of the portal. That is Jermaine Burton, Jameer Gibbs, and then Eli Ricks. So corner, running back, wide receiver. And corner, yeah. LSU's best defensive player and a good Georgia receiver transferring to Alabama. LSU's best what? Defensive player. Best corner for sure. Huh? You forgetting about? Uh, he did not play the last two years. Best, best availability player? is availability. Oh. Isn't that what you always say? Yeah, but he ain't. <laughs> I, Derek, Derek Stingley is better than Elias Ricks. He is. He is. He, he is just the has second best defensive player. He would be the returning best defensive player. Yes. And, and and Ricks has been, because Stingley has been banged up and not been playing a ton, Ricks has been better than Stingley the, the last year or so when he's been in the game. But that's also because of other factors as well. Yeah. But still, one of LSU's best players is transferring to Alabama. Yeah, it's it, annoying. It don't, yeah, it don't matter if it was LSU's twenty fifth best player. Like going to Alabama was still just right. just weird if you are an LSU player, right? Because that that was a heated robbery. But man, they don't care about that, man. I mean, I look at it as Jermaine Burton when he came out of high school. It wasn't like he was George Pickens that right. allegedly got that big old bag out of nowhere. Jermaine Burton probably got a little something, something. But I don't think you got anything when you when you compare him to some of the top five star players that Georgia got. And you saw pictures of, you know, eight thousand dollar cars and things like that. I think Jermaine Burton's like, hey man, this is my chance right here. This is my chance because Burton has been probably the top rated receiver in the portal, and he took advantage of it. He took advantage of his leverage, and he already won a championship. And now it's about putting yourself in the best position to play in the next level. His position coach left and went to LSU. I get it. I just don't like it. I know. I, don't like I it. get it. I just don't like it. The other Georgia player that announced his transfer de- destination is Latavius Brini. Uh, started at Georgia this past season, and uh, he did move down the depth chart second half of the season, but he is off to Arkansas. So Arkansas continues to to make some waves in the transfer portal, as does Kentucky. Because speaking of Alabama wide receivers, uh, Kentucky picked up a significant one over the weekend. Javon Baker, he is headed to Kentucky. He announced over the weekend was a reserve at Alabama the past two seasons, only catching seven passes for 101 yards. But a big-time recruit a couple years ago. Arkansas has gotten six players from Portal so far. So they've gotten um, four players from the SEC and then Jaden Hazelwood from Oklahoma, and they got a quarterback from uh, South Florida. So they have been active. Why? And the players they're getting are are good. Oh, yeah, they're good players. Because they have spots. They got spots, exactly. That's why they're active. Why has Kentucky and South Carolina been active in the Portal and, and taking advantage of it? Because they've had spots. Got spots, man. Tennessee does not have spots, but uh, currently, yes, yeah, currently, but they will in a couple couple months. Uh, more like three or four. Yeah, yeah. Once yeah. the spring semester is over, so that that was a big addition. 
for Kentucky, considering uh, what was their receiver this year? Wondell Robinson is uh, off to the NFL. Two coaching things I wanted to to mention before we get out of here. A and M hired Steve Adazio as its new mm. offensive line coach. Steve Adazio, uh, recently at Boston College, has also been at Colorado State, and he was recently at Colorado State. Before Didn't that, well. he was at Temple and, and Boston College. Did not end well. Some drama there at all, but. Probably a, a good offensive line coach. And then the big coaching news was that Derek Mason's departure was confirmed. And uh, Auburn is going to promote from within for its its new defensive coordinator job. Just, uh, just real weird. Jeff Schmetting. I'm not familiar, familiar with his work. Uh, so two... New coordinators down there on the Plains. Austin Davis, quarterback's coach with the Seahawks. He is the new offensive coordinator. And and then now they're promoting Jeff Schmetting. Again, not familiar with his work to replace Derek Mason. So a lot of new at Auburn. And Swain, not the only SEC West team with a lot of new. Uh, Lane Kiffin is, is dealing with a lot of new as well. They had a coaching departure on Friday, and now Ole Miss will have a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new special teams coordinator, new running backs coach, and a new cornerbacks coach after letting Terrell Buckley go on Friday. So Auburn, Ole Miss, I'm, I'm not really looking at all Ole Miss the same way I'm looking at Brian Harson, but they, they do have a lot of new going into this upcoming season. Yeah, there's folks leaving Lane. And like, like Lane and Ole Miss had a magical season last year. Don't get me wrong, but um, you got Staffers leaving Ole Miss. Corey Miller left. I don't know the reason why he left. Uh, I haven't asked. You got coordinators, and you know he's getting turned down by by you know coaches at other SEC programs. Multiple coaches at uh, 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 other SEC programs. So how will Lane be able to bounce back as far as improving his staff or staying on par and then replacing Matt Corral? So it's a good thing he got that extension when he did because it may may be a rough year. Or, listen, he may be better or on par with what he did this past season. Who knows? But it doesn't look like he's going to be on par. looks like he's going to go backwards. And then with Auburn, You got one of the most respected coaches inside of the SEC that can be a head coach for you on defense, that brings the energy, that brings the passion, and Derek Mason. And he just he just steps down. He just didn't want to be a part of what you got going on. So will Derek Mason be right or will Brian Harson be right? I don't know, but it doesn't look too great for Brian Harson. And we've heard the rumblings about it not being a fit at Auburn. We've heard those. We'll see how they are able to recover. 865-255-03. Hour 3, powered by Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Low T Center exclusively specializes in men's wellness, offering monitored self-inject 
at home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month for self-pay. Uh, it is also covered by most health insurances. So be confident that if you have health insurance, uh, that you could possibly get that taken care of there. Low T Center will ship directly to your home. Very convenient, very easy. Go to lowtcenter.com right now to book your appointment. That's lowtcenter.com, reinventing men's men's healthcare. Before you hit the text box to get out of here, one wanted to add in that other big takeaway I had from Junior Day. We talked about a quarterback from Birmingham that was here, Christopher Vizina, and and Tennessee had some some nice looking linebackers on campus. Had had some some nice-looking offensive linemen as well. We can talk to Austin Price about those young men tomorrow, but wanted to hit on Vic Burley, one of the top defensive linemen in the country. He was here this weekend, and he loves him some Rodney Garner. He is from Warner Robins, Georgia, and we at Rivals have him as the number 48 overall player in the country, number nine strong side defensive end, number six player in the state of Georgia. Uh, so obviously something to be concerned about being from the state of Georgia, but he does love him some Rodney Garner. And Rodney Garner is the reason that he is high on the Vols and, and the Vols will have a chance with him. And, and he was, um, he's been here three times in less than six months. He was here last July. He was here for this past Vanderbilt game. And then he was here on Saturday for the junior day. And uh, Pruitt was actually the first person to offer him a scholarship. But 6'5", 265, defensive lineman. Tennessee envisions him playing a, a hybrid role and have discussed just uh, moving him across the line and, and getting him on some mismatches. So that was a, a big-time name on campus. Uh, in addition to... Some interesting receivers. Carnell Tate, an absolute stud who plays at IMG Academy, originally from the Chicago area. Uh, he was here this weekend. I know he and his family really like Tennessee. And uh, Devin Hyatt, the little brother of Jalen Hyatt, also at IMG. Uh, I think both of those guys had, had really good visits this weekend. So big, big Saturday full of recruiting for Tennessee. Yeah, I think Tennessee's in a good position with, with Carnell Tate, not saying that we won or anything. Um, you know, I think I think Cardinal Tate, if you were to kind of crystal ball him right now or do the forecast, you would probably forecast him um, going to Notre Dame, Ohio State, somewhere like that. But uh, he, from what I've heard, he really, really enjoyed his time here. And Tennessee is is one of his, his favorite, favorite schools uh, in the South. So keep that keep that pressure on. He is a, a game changer mm -hmm. at receiver. Um, Devin Hyatt, not far off either. Uh, a, a prospect with a, a ton of potential as as well. And no disrespect to Jalen, but maybe a little more college ready just because of his strength coming in if, if he were to come to Tennessee. And if you could pull off Carnell Tate and, and Devin Hyatt in the same wide receiver class, that, that'd be a nice one to stack on top of this last receiver class. I know there wasn't a ton of star power, Swain, but after watching Gabriel Davis, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm being too emotional. Maybe I'm being too reactionary, living in the moment. But Gabriel say, Davis. Say it, Ben. Say it. Say what? What you going to say? Gabriel Davis 
being a, a, a three-star that Josh Heupel took a chance on at UCF and, and him balling out last night sure did make me feel better about Cam Miller and Squirrel Wide and Caleb Webb. And, Caleb and Webb Ch- is a dude. Oh, he's, he, he's a dude to watch. He, I think I think he's going to be a pro. Yes. He mini Josh Palmer. And and I think could be better than many than I just not literally a mini one, but that, he just reminds me of Josh Palmer, okay. kind of plain style and faster than than Josh. Uh, he he can run, got good size. Yeah, I want to see. I want plain see. style, kind of physical receiver. I want to see these guys. I can't wait to see these guys just spring football. I'm genuinely excited about Tennessee's receiver class. I'm. Very excited about Squirrel. That's been documented. I've been singing the praises of Caleb Webb since he was still committed to ECU, and people were questioning that. Uh, Cam Miller, I think he's just going to be a really good football player for Tennessee. Uh, and, and Chaz Nimrod, I don't have an opinion one way or the other on him, but Tennessee's coaching staff appears to, to really like him and uh, are excited about him. And uh, honestly, like again, maybe I'm being too emotional, but Gabriel Davis uh, – it gives me a little more hope that this uh, Tennessee coaching staff hit on those receivers that they just brought in. Hey, man, if you can run, you got a chance. You got a chance. If you can change direction and you got good hands, then it, it, it only uh, improves your chances. So uh, I, I like our receiver class coming in. Obviously, you want to go out and duplicate that, not do better recruiting receivers this next recruiting cycle. I think Tennessee has a chance to do that. Um, yeah, Hyatt, he, he, he's had more exposure to the weight room as a high schooler. You know, he's, a bit, he's bigger than, than, than Jalen. Fast, but he's bigger, um, more physical coming in uh, into his you know, freshman year in college next, next season than, than Jalen was his freshman season. So, Receivers recruiting—that's gonna be that's gonna be fun to watch, man. As Tennessee goes out, potentially gets uh, a player from the portal to line opposite to the Tillman, and then see hopefully t- two more receivers catch seventy balls this year. I think that will attract more and more receivers out of high school and the portal. For Ben McKee, I'm Jason Swain. We hope you have a fantastic Monday. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Peace and love. We are out. <laughs>